This has to be the most special episode Richie and I have done to date. We talk one-on-one with Craig Bullerjack, the voice of the Utah Jazz, about so many amazing topics. From predictions of the upcoming season to in-depth life experiences, this is an interview you do not want to miss. Welcome to The Thatcher Effect. Five, four, three, two. You're listening to The Thatcher Effect with your hosts, Nate Thatcher and Richie Osler. Three of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any game this week to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Before we get into the interview with Craig Bowlerjack, I just wanted to take a few moments to talk about the sudden and tragic passing of Aaron Lowe this past Sunday morning within the Utah football program. If there's anything that I learned from this interview that you'll hear with Craig Bolderjack, it was the importance of telling stories and the importance of sharing personal experiences with other people. This past week after learning about the passing of Aaron Lowe, I felt like I have gotten to know him more as a person because I feel like us as fans watching sports, it's all about how they perform on the court, how they perform on the field, and you never really talk about them about what they do behind the scenes. Just to be able to talk to Craig about that and, and his experiences um, off of the camera and, and with his fellow broadcast teammates, and even just with former players, it was really special to hear about his experiences. And on the subject of Aaron Lowe, it was really touching to see the relationships and the impact that he had on every single player, every single coach that he worked with. And if, if you were able to see some, some moments from the vigil that they held for him a few nights ago, um, you could just see how broken this team seemed to feel and how special this kid was. Um, I, I, I do. I, I get emotional every time I talk about it um, because Aaron, Aaron was my age. Um, and last year when Ty, Ty passed away, Ty's, Ty's younger than I am. And, and it's hard to see these kids' lives end so soon and so abruptly in such a horrific fashion. And especially so close together. Um, it was within the same football program. You, you just don't see this at all. And it, it's been really hard to comprehend as a fan. And so I can't even imagine what, again, what these coaches and players are going through and what um, Aaron's family is going through. But I, again, it has reminded me about the importance of telling our stories. And I think today's episode will really emphasize that. Um, Craig is just a phenomenal guy to talk with. Um, he has, again, he has such amazing experiences and, and insights. And of course, we're going to be talking about the jazz. So it's not going to be all somber today. It's going to be super exciting. 
But uh, Rich and I really just wanted to give our condolences and our prayers to the Utah football program and to um, Aaron and his family. We honestly wish them nothing but the best. And we're really excited for you guys to hear um, more about Craig and, and Bowler and see who he is off of AT&T Sportsnet. This is an amazing guy, and we're super excited for you to get to know him like we did. So please enjoy this interview with Craig Bowlerjack. All right, everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of The Thatcher Effect. We are so excited for today's episode. We have such an amazing guest with Craig Bowlerjack, play-by-play announcer for the Utah Jazz. So for all you jazz fans, this is this is a big episode. So we're super excited to have Craig on with us today. Um, but we, we want you guys to get to know him a little bit more. So Bowler, could you just describe your path? How did, how did you get with the jazz today? And what, what well, kind of brought you into the world of journalism? Well, I'd say it's a long story. I'll make it short. Uh, I think it's like what you guys, you and I were talking about before we hit the air. Uh, it was, uh, you know, a little college football that didn't quite work out. Um, and so I decided to really get serious about what I had to do to graduate. And I was a biology major, if you can believe it at first. I still love science. I, I like to know why the sky is blue, why the grass is green, you know, all that stuff back in the day. And um, I really I really realized that I wasn't probably uh, the greatest uh, with study habits. Um, you know, I was such a sports-minded guy. I played everything I could possibly do in junior high and high school. Baseball, track, football was my love. Basketball. I always was so intrigued by it, but it seemed like I always came off the season with an injury, so I never could really get on the floor uh, to really play at that high level, at least in high school. And I uh, did play some sophomore basketball, but after that, man, I, I just was nursing injuries all the time. But, you know, when I finally got to school at K-State after my sophomore year, I realized I had to focus and uh, decided to really hit the books and a friend of my brother's, uh, they were both fifth-year seniors, and they led me in the direction of uh, the broadcast journalism school at Kansas State University, which, by the way, BYU is going to get to know pretty well with the Big 12 uh, edition, which I'm really excited to see the Cats come to town and for BYU to, uh, to go to Manhattan, Kansas. It's a, it's a great college, uh, a great college atmosphere. So... I graduated with a degree in broadcast journalism and marketing. I went the five-year route, uh, and that was okay. I had to convince my dad, you know, that I, what are you going to do with that degree? And I said, well, you know, I want to want to stay in sports. I want to find my way. And so I auditioned for a job in Topeka, Kansas. I got the weekend job there to do 6 and 10 on, on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, moved down to Wichita, Kansas for three years. Strangely... Uh, Wichita State was a powerhouse at that time in basketball, and former Jasmine Antoine Carr and I uh, knew each other very well. He was playing there along with the X-Man, Xavier McDaniel, who had a great N uh, NBA career, and Cliff Levingston. All three of those guys were high-level picks uh, in the NBA, so it was great when Big Dog came back uh, and joined the Jazz. We were able to kind of rekindle a, an old friendship. And then one night I got a phone call from a gentleman named Don Judd uh, from Salt Lake City, worked for KSL. And he said, we had an opening 
Paul James, uh, as you guys remember, legendary BYU radio voice, uh, was also a news a sports anchor at KSL. Jim Nance, who went on to CBS, and I followed him later, uh, was at KSL. But Paul wanted to kind of semi-retire from television, so he was going to do the 10, uh, Jim do the 6, and they needed a weekend guy. And they brought me out for an interview and hired me, and it changed my life. Uh, Jim went to CBS shortly after, and the next thing I know is I get asked to go into the office of our news director, Spence Kennard, and says, you're doing, fo- you're doing BYU football and basketball. And holy cow, it changed my life. Uh, I love to write. I love the, uh, you know, the news at 6 and 10 and Sports Beat Sunday, which is still on the air, is something we all came up with, uh, the staff that I worked with, and I'm proud to see that show still on. Uh, but the play-by-play honestly just pushed that button, uh, and that's where I wanted to go. And ESPN gave me an opportunity to freelance when they started doing Big Monday, and I started doing all the college basketball games uh, with UNLV, Utah State, BYU, San Diego State, the old whack. And then CBS saw my work and brought me there, and I left KSL after 13 years. Was at CBS for 13 uh, NFL, college football, the NCAA tournament, uh, world-class, World Cup skiing. I mean, gymna- women's gymnastics, anything they threw at me, I said, let's go, I'll do it. Even anchored in New York uh, on the desk during uh, updates during uh, golf. And then Fox brought me in when they were expanding their college football and NFL. And I was there for nearly five years. And then I decided it was time just to focus on the jazz I was tired of traveling, and here I am. So that's that's the that's the. Hopefully, that wasn't too long, but it's uh, it's been quite a journey. And I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade one step. Um, I learned a lot, a lot made a lot of mistakes, uh, and then I finally got a chance to uh, really jump into a, a situation that you know challenges me still every night, and that's what I love. That's awesome, Craig. You've you've had so many experiences, and you've had so many different things you've had to cover and so many changes in an industry that's always changing. Um, One of the big changes for you right now is you're going to have a new person calling with you. You're going to have Holly Rowe calling with you. Um, So have you worked with Holly Rowe in the past? Yes. You know, Holly and I go way back. Uh, I met her first in the mid nineties Uh, when I was in the middle of calling the Cougars, uh, both on uh, football and basketball, and Holly jumped onto the scene and started doing some sideline reporting for us. And then when I went to ESPN as a freelancer, um, lo and behold, she showed up. She's a hard worker, man. She knocked on every door, kicked everyone down to get an opportunity. And I really respect Holly and another young lady that I worked with, Kathy Aiken, who uh, I think are really in this state, uh, both were just front runners of just breaking open barriers to allow other women to achieve their dreams to broadcast in sport. And I, I really respect both of them. And it's kind of gone full circle, honestly, guys, uh, for me to work with Holly. And I did her first, I was play by play. I can't remember who my analyst was that particular night, but Holly Rowe, uh, she did her first, uh, network game with me at ESPN and here has come full circle to have her as a analyst sideline reporter 
uh, with the jazz to join Thurl Bailey and myself. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I loved Chris and Kenny and I had a great relationship with Matt, but you know, as you know, this business is ever changing and with new ownership, they had some new ideas and I'm excited to have Holly and big T along. We're going to have a good, good fun season. And hopefully this will be the year we can bring a, a title uh, to Salt Lake and beyond. Yeah, there's been a there's been a ton of conversation over the past few years about the Jazz and, and trying to win a championship. Obviously, last year was a record breaking year in so many categories. I mean, every it seems like every single game we were breaking another three point record and <laughs> we true. were just scoring off the board. And so it was a super fun regular season last year. And it, it was sad to kind of see it end the way that it did, obviously, with with injuries and and circumstances like that. But the Jazz made a lot of offseason moves this last summer. And they did what they could with what they had. Do you, what are your thoughts with those changes? What do you, what do you expect from this Jazz team coming up in a few months? I get that question. I get that that question asked a lot. And I think the first thing you always have to talk about. And I talked to all the guys the other day on on uh, Jazz Media Day last Monday, or just this past Monday, and we had six hours. I haven't seen them, by the way. Have not seen this team in like 20 months because of COVID. You know, I was in I was in Oklahoma City the night everything shut down and and that was just a surreal moment. And then to wait to see these guys again in person, I tell you, I think they were excited. I was. Uh, all of us were were really happy to kind of reconnect again. But what I got out of that, to answer your question, uh, honestly was still a hunger. Uh, still this this attitude, which is very rare in professional sports where, you know, teammates get along and they work through issues, but they all are there for the common goal of a title. Now, look, in L.A., the Lakers, they're trying to do the same thing. But look, let's have some fun. That's a geriatric roster, right? I mean, that's. <laughs> Those guys, you know, may need a cane or a walker. I'm just kidding. But still, I, I don't know how that's going to work out. But the point is, it's about health. And, you know, if the Lakers stay healthy, yeah, they're going to be really good. Uh, and the Jazz, we know are good. But it also goes back to your question about the playoffs. And it's kind of like people keep asking me when I run across, you know, fans. What if? What if Donovan? What if Mike hadn't been hurt? You know? You can't live in the past of what if. It's fun to talk about, but it's hard to say would they have gone ahead and, you know, beaten the Clippers. You know, in my heart of hearts, yeah, but we'll never know. So now it's a new year. I think it starts first with health, and then we talk about the additions. And I think what they did was give Quinn Snyder more opportunity, more multiple options in his lineups because you saw the Jazz struggle with small ball. And the Rudy Gay's. Uh, I think even the Pascals, uh, the Jared Butlers, um, I think helped the Jazz become not only more athletic and Hassan Whiteside as well is a is a is a higher level defender. Uh, and I love D Faves, but I think there's a more athletic uh, ability with Hassan. Let's see what Hassan Whiteside we get, though. Right. He didn't fare well in Sacramento. But again, that was a covid situation. And I don't think he was ever at full health. And talking to him, I, I think he's renewed, you know, in his attitude as well to have another shot at it. And 
you know, when Rudy's off the floor, things change. And I think Hassan Whiteside gives the Jazz a, a stronger defender uh, when Rudy has to take his uh, his rest. Whiteside, even as Azabuki, has shown promise if he can stay healthy as well uh, to really give the Jazz a lot of solid play uh, at the post and at the four. But I think, you know, again, it, it just gives those chess pieces that you have to have on a given night when you're when different teams put different looks at you and they figured out Gobert, they figured out Conley, they know about Donovan, but now you have to make sure that you can put a another piece in place that gives Donovan and Mike uh, the opportunity to to do their best in different situations. And I think the Jazz did that, you know, in the offseason. Rudy Gay's intriguing, even though he's got a heel injury that it's going to probably keep him off the floor another few weeks. I still think, again, his veteran appearance uh, will do wonders for the Jazz and just give us different looks on different nights when needed. Yeah, I think there there were a lot of unknowns last season um, after afterwards, after the playoffs. And I, I think in terms of roster-wise, a lot of those questions that we had after the playoffs were answered. But it's still, there's still a lot of new players. We haven't seen them in a Jazz jersey yet. And so we really can't know what they're going to look like until the season actually starts. So we, like I said, we don't know anything yet. So do you have any like hot takes, something that's kind of wild, but you believe will happen with the Jazz or any team in the NBA this season that a lot, not a lot of other people are thinking? Wow, hot takes. I like the Jazz. And I'm trying to say that too. And I'll tell you one thing I learned in journalism a long time ago is always, you know, I'll try to look through it through rose-colored glasses. I mean, I know I work for the Jazz, and I've called this, you know, I've covered this team since Carl Malone was a rookie, and so was I. Uh, and I just like the makeup. I like the coach. The ownership is intriguing to me. It's, it has a new vibe to it. Uh, the Millers did incredible things to take it to this level. But Ryan, who, by the way, Ryan Smith is a BYU grad. You guys know that, you know, has a really new approach. Uh, I mean, diversity. Uh, he wants the jazz to kind of set the trend for, for the state of Utah. And I'm intrigued by that. Uh, and saying that, I think, again, it reflects with some of the moves we've made in the broadcast booth and also what they've done, done in the offseason. And also with D. Wade, I just think the jazz are – are, are, are built to be, if, if it's not a title, they're going to be in the mix of it, okay? And I think that's, you can't take that lightly. You can say that, oh, yeah, the Jazz are good. But no, in reality, I think even the so-called experts around the NBA believe that as well. And they believed it a couple of years ago. And Donovan Mitchell still is only 25 in his fifth year. And Rudy's at the peak of his, of his career. You've got veterans that have, uh, still a lot left in the tank, Joe and Mike, and what Royce O'Neal has grown into as a you know shutdown type of defender. And we know about you know Jingle and Joe Ingles, man. That guy is just a gamer through and through and a high IQ guy on the floor. I just think the Jazz have a great mix. Now, look, there's other teams in the West that it's a buzzsaw, really, guys, every night. You, you guys watch and you know uh, Damian Lillard's not happy but he's going to give it another go with C.J. McCollum and the rest. Not sure how that's going to turn out. I don't think they have the horses. Uh, Phoenix, I was stunned personally that 
Chris Paul stayed as healthy, right, as he did in the postseason. That was the mark for Phoenix to get to the finals. Um, and Devin Booker's good. Uh, the one team I'm just going to keep an eye on would be what Luka Doncic can actually do. And if Perzinga stays healthy and if they can actually coexist and really build uh, on what they tried to do last year. Uh, Denver without Jamal Murray, I think is, you know, without with the ACL still an issue. And the same with Kawhi. You know, they say it was only a partial tear. But in reality, it's a, it's a tear. And the ACL, I've been through it. Uh, it takes time, uh, even though medical, uh, you know, surgery is much better than it was in my day. <laughs> but, um, you know, you're still going to take your time with a Kawhi Leonard, right, and a Jamal Murray. So I think the Jazz, again, are, are set and poised in the West uh, to be at the top of the rung. And if they stay healthy, I think they'll knock on the door of a Western Conference championship and beyond. I really do. Now, if injury comes and bites – I'm hoping the depth that they they put into place uh, will help until that player or players kind of get back. Uh, but I, I think that Jared Butler is uh, many believe is NBA ready, won a title with Baylor, and that's a good thing to have a young player who can actually give Quinn Snyder you know minutes. He's a shooter, he's a winner, uh, he's a defender. And I think all those things come into play when you talk about who, who can survive and, and get to the finish line. And in the East, uh, I love what the Bucks have done. In fact, most of the guys we talked to last week or Monday, pardon me, was they feel like they have the same, they're taking the same path as the Bucks. And there's disappointment along that path, but ultimately you get to the finish line. And let's see if that doesn't hold true for what the Jazz are trying to do as well. We, we love your insights. You have, you have such a unique insight about every team. And I really do think that the NBA is so competitive this year. There's so many teams that are really good, but the jazz and their continuity is really what's going to take them over the edge, I think. And I think we've done such a good job at addressing some of the problems. I don't think we get enough credit for what we've done to address our problems from, um, yeah. from these last playoff series. I think Rudy Gay is an incredible um, help defender, and the stats back me up on that. I also think Hassan Whiteside, if he can play like he did in Portland two years ago, will be such a big help. And right. overall, this we just are in such a competitive organization, and it's so fun to watch. Um, I think the last couple of years have just been incredible in all aspects of the Jazz. Um, there's so much to be excited for with the addition of Dwayne Wade into the front office with Ryan Smith and the, just the places he's taken this organization. Um, there's looking like there's going to be a new jazz look as far as jerseys go and yeah. color schemes. And so we're just all really excited about it, but from a broadcast expect uh, perspective, what can we expect to be happening kind of in that broadcasting booth and what can we, uh, what changes what might we see this year? Well, we're going to have fun. Uh, I guarantee you. With Thurl, I've got a great relationship with T. Uh, I really respect Thurl. Uh, you know, he won a national championship in 83 with Jimmy Volvano and the Wolfpack of North Carolina State and kind of shocked uh, the uh, the college basketball world. And 
that's Thurl. Thurl's just, uh, you know, I call him the Lou Rawls of Salt Lake. His voice, uh, and, you know, he's a singer, and he's just a funny guy, but he also is a basketball aficionado. And I think every night uh, we'll bring it. I know we will. That's the, only, that's the only gear I have, and I think that's the only gear Thurl has as well. We did about 25 games together last year in that truncated 72-game season. Matt was in Atlanta most of the time. People probably don't know, uh, or even, well, I'm sure they noticed. I mean, I did, and it bothered me because we didn't travel. I haven't been on the road since the night of Oklahoma City uh, on March 11 of 2020 uh, when the league shut down and Gobert was a uh, positive uh, COVID test. So we called everything last year. Uh, all road games were just called in the arena by ourselves. It was just five of us in that building off the calling games off the Jumbotron. It was probably one of the most, if not the most challenging season I've ever had in my career was to try to bring energy, uh, insight. All I ever did was talk to guys via Zoom and even Quinn Snyder. And or I, or I, you know, talk to him on the phone or text him. Uh, we never really had any any interaction, and it's good. That's why it was so fun to see everybody on Monday. Was just to kind of say, "Hey, we're back, uh, and we can actually talk to each other." You know, so uh, I, you know, I'm excited to to get it going. I think fans will uh, hopefully ride the wave with us. Winning makes it easy for me, and you guys know that. Um, Winning makes everybody excited, uh, makes the, the the numbers of people watching higher, and everyone's got an opinion. But, you know, the bottom line to it, to both of you, is that Donovan Mitchell is a special player and a special person. And I, I don't want to overplay it, but I've been around long enough to meet a lot of different, you know, professional and, and amateur athletes. But there is, you know, when people say, what is it? about a particular player and we call it the it factor right and you really can't explain it you just know it so what is it about donovan he just has the ability to draw his energy uh, and his personality is what you call it and people are drawn to it and he backs it up i'm playing on words but you know, it, it's true. I mean, you guys see him and you see him speak and you see what he stands for. You know, obviously he's taken a bold step in trying to be a young leader in a very difficult league with a very tough press corps around the NBA, trying to bring, you know, equality and also to bring conversation uh, to all of us about racial inequality. Now, there's some people that don't like it. You know, jazz fans are some who are kind of walking away. They don't like Black Lives Matter. They were upset with it. Uh, the vaccination, you know, mandate is another issue. I try not to back away from those issues because they're real. And when I first started in sport, you know, we were always talking about it's entertainment, right? But let's, let's be honest. Life has changed and sports is now more of a reflection of what we do every day. And you have to talk about it because it's part of sport. Um, and it's been tough, man. Uh, there are some people that agree. There's others that don't. Um, and I think in the long run, 
you know, the message is out there. Take care of yourself. You got to make your own decisions, but also, you know, help your neighbor. Uh, that's kind of what the jazz have tried to do. Uh, yeah, I'm vaccinated. Um, and that's still uh, one of the biggest, biggest issues facing our country today. Uh, the league, I think, is trying to be a leader on it. And the reason I bring it up is because Donovan is trying to do the same thing in a different way uh, with diversity. And I th the thing about it real quick for me is during the last 15 months, I've had more time to get to know Thurl Bailey and Ron Boone, both African-American you know, men who played at a high level. And we both made a commitment that we will listen and learn. I learned from them and they learned from me. And it's really been cool. Uh, we've had some great talks by ourselves in that building that Larry H. Miller built. And sometimes I feel his, his presence when we were all by ourselves. Boone was on one side of me and Locke, Thurl on the other. And we're all sitting there in a 19,000-seat arena. And we had a lot of time to, to spend with each other. Uh, and, you know, I learned a lot from Thurl. I've learned a lot from Booner. And I think if you talk to them, they probably learned a lot from me. So we've shared a lot of different stories, a lot of different ideas, and they've helped me answer questions. And I hope I've helped them answer some as well. My point is, I just hope we continue to make progress and uh, in the broadcast and, you know, to have thorough full time along with Holly makes us a very diverse group along with Alema Harrington, and Mike Smith up on the desk uh, for pre and post game and halftime and Holly Rose. So um, I'm excited. I think it's kind of a new direction and I hope fans will come with us on it. Yeah. It feels like you guys have really created like an all-star broadcast team <laughs> and not a lot of friends that I, that I associate with when, when that was announced that Holly was joining the crew. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like, this is going to be so sick. And everyone's like, well, I don't know who that is. I'm like, well, you got to learn because this is going to be some good yeah. broadcast coming up. And I also learned a lot about Thoreau Bailey's life story um, this past summer. I actually listened, got to listen to another podcast that he was on and he just talked about his life experiences. And I really gained a lot of respect for him because, you know, yeah. he's been through a lot, like you said, with with a lot of the topics that are going on in, in our country. And he, he was able to put that into perspective. And it really hit me. I was like, wow, like Big T's a he's a solid man and he's got a lot of big, good things ahead of him. Big time. Great guy. Uh, great heart. Uh, passionate about life and basketball and the Utah Jazz. You put that all together. That's, that's a good combination. And um, I think he just became a granddad uh, not too long ago. And he's softening him up a little bit. I said, man, you got to get back and get tough. But no, I, I'm kidding him. I said, you know, that's a, that's the extra part of life. You know, you're having a grandchild, man. That's that's another that's another bonus, right, uh, of life. And so I'm, I'm excited for him and his wife. Uh, he's he's good people. He really is. Yeah. Um, so so last question for you. You've talked a lot about special moments, whether that's players like Donovan that have that have changed not only the jazz, but the organization you've talked about moments like the COVID moment when everything shut down um, and obviously talking about the, the people that you work with up in the booth, what, what is your favorite or most memorable experience from working with the jazz, whether that's like a play, a game, mm -hmm. or just like a memory behind the scenes, what's been your favorite moment with the jazz? Well, man, there's been so many. It, it's really, it boggles my mind sometimes the things I've, I've experienced with them. Um, I always want to say, and I, I not, I'm not dodging the question because I got a good answer, I think, but 
I really always like to, and I believe this with my heart, is that I haven't lived it yet. You know, think I, I just feel that there's something every game I do, it's live, unscripted, and you just never know what the next play holds. And so I think from the floor, uh, from the standpoint of me on the, you know, calling a, 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 a play from the floor, it hasn't happened yet. Um, I, I think there are two things that stick out. I was in Houston when Stockton hit the shot over Barkley. And I was just below the basket right side. And I thought to myself in those milliseconds, my God, it's going to go in. And you know how your mind works, right? It's boom, boom, boom. It just left his hand. I thought, oh, my gosh, we're going to Chicago. All in a millisecond. And then everything came back to normal speed. And I go, boom. Carl, John, Jerry, Horny, all together in a huddle, just emotions that we've never witnessed before, especially from Coach Sloan. God love him. What a great guy. And the other part of my journey has probably been with Malone. You know, as I mentioned earlier, we came to Salt Lake in the summer of 90, of 85, and he's really the first guy I interviewed at KSL. And I don't know what it is, but we forged kind of this interesting love you, I'm mad at you, won't talk to you, okay, I'm okay. With, this is Carl talking to me, you know, because, you know, again, it's hard to have a relationship, and I try never to because I've got a job to do, he's got a job to do, and he knows it. But we always had kind of a kind of a interesting conversational bond. He loved to talk. And get my ideas, and I wanted his ideas. Summerfield, Louisiana, a guy from southern Missouri, grew up in Kansas City. So, you know, we always had this kind of discussion. But uh, you guys are too young to remember, but some of your listeners may. When I was at KSL, we did three one-hour live, non-scripted interviews with Carl Malone. And I guess that, to me, was one of the most challenging three hours of my career because you never know what's coming at you and you play off of his answers. And he got very personal, talked about the loss of his father um, and how it impacted his life and how his mother became his backboard and he would shoot baskets off her chest because they were too poor, you know, to have a, to have a basketball uh, standard and a goal. And I was just sitting there going, wow, you know, what a journey. And those are great things to share. But what he always did to me was come up and in his burl, you know, burly chest, he'd, he'd chest bump me and just stare me down and go, hey, Bola, you want to bring it tonight? And I said, absolutely, Mel, man. And so he challenged me to challenge him. And I, I think that's always stuck with me uh, as a young journalist at that time was that an opportunity doesn't come around very often like this where you get such a high profile athlete and that you're allowed to really go inside him and that there was no, no conditions of what I could or could not ask. And to me, I thought, what a gift I've been given, you know, and that forged our bond and we still talk. And when, when Mark Eaton passed away, 
I got a call very early in the morning. I haven't shared this with anybody really. And uh, it was the night of a game, uh, the playoffs. And I said, mailman, it was Carl, 745. I said, you come to the game tonight. And he was crying. He said, bowler, bowler, big, big Mark's gone. And I was just like blown away that he would think of me uh, during that time because, you know, again, I, I, I knew Mark well, um, but he would call me to tell me the big market passed away and it was a tough day. And we had to deal with it on the air that night. So when you get to know generational players and then time passes and you don't expect things like this to impact passing of Hot Rod, the passing of Larry, the passing of, you know, Jerry Sloan. And now you get a player that you knew uh, who passed away and it just kind of brings you back to real life because ultimately guys, I know this is heavy, but and ultimately, you know, these guys are like us, they still have families and they age like we do. And we sometimes don't want them to. Uh, but in reality, that's the case. Uh, big Mark was, you know, such a big foundation piece of the jazz in those early days with Frank Layden and Carl and John and Ricky green and others. And now we lost him. And it just kind of brings you back a little bit, right, about how great this franchise is and the foundation and who built it and now who is now leading the way. Man, it's amazing, right? And here we are talking about titles and another shot at it, if that's the case. I hope it is because John and Carl, they were so close. But some guy named Jordan defied, defied them, right? A push off here and a bucket made here. And I'd love to see the Jazz get back at it and have a shot. It'd be great. Be great for the city. Be great for the Intermountain West. Be great for you guys. Be great for me. And I, I, I hope that we can all ride it and experience it together. I really do. Yeah. Wow. That, that's a lot of special stories there. Um, yeah, I, I flooded it. You know, no, my, it's my wife. It's amazing. Says, Man, you, you, you go from one A to B to C to D, but. You know, one kind of is always interconnected a little bit, you know, so it kind of takes me when I think about it, it goes left and it comes back to the right and it all hopefully always comes back to the middle. But, you know, sometimes <laughs> I get in that mode where you guys ask questions and man, there's there's so much stuff that's happened and so many personalities. And I uh, I love telling stories, obviously, uh, especially when I'm asked. I don't try to give it up too much, but when someone asks, I, I think it's interesting to to look back even for myself again and say, hey, wow, um, those were some fun, special moments. And like I said, I'm hoping there's a lot more ahead. And I'm, I'm, I can almost assure you there there will be. Yeah, that that's awesome. Um, like just just even, you know, going into the world of journalism, you just learn that it's it's more than just talking about a certain moment. It's telling a story. Yeah. And, and just talking with you in these few minutes, it's been really cool to see how many stories that you have personally with this organization, not only, you know, in front of the camera, but behind the scenes. And, you know, just thinking about, I, I've listened to the radio call of, of, of Stockton hitting that three. It gives me chills. And I wasn't even born for another two years. Right. right. And you were talking about me and Richie. We, we haven't seen the jazz really get that far. And so for, for me, it's like, I, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have seen the jazz, you know, make it all the way to the finals to play Michael Jordan. But Last year, I was like, you know, I feel like I'm I'm witnessing another one of those teams that you can are. make it that far. You and are. I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's definitely more to come. And I know Rich and I have probably have a, a lot more time on this planet, but I, I'm really hoping that this year can really be a special year for the Jazz and they can make it far. So 
you know, you yeah. bring, that's a good point because uh, you got to remember that back in the Carl and John days, those were 19-year careers and Stock stayed his entire career with the Jazz. And, you know, they found Hornacek, the perfect piece to, to take him to the next level. And Carl tried to find a championship with the Lakers, but, you know, hurt his knee. But I think you, you make a great point. You guys, you know, the window is so much smaller now uh, for teams because pe- teams, players come and go. And they're all searching for that, you know, the elusive title to, I think, solidify their 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 purpose or their their role or their legacy in the NBA, right? And so with with uh, Rudy and Donovan now signed to these max contracts, the pressures on Ryan and the Jazz to prove to them they have the right pieces to be around them. And again. I think they're quality individuals. I really do. Much like Damian Lillard. He's not trying to hold the Blazers, you know, at bay. Philadelphia is a mess right now with Ben Simmons. And I think that's something I hope fans will also understand that, you know, there's the Jazz have always tried to do it with class. And the players that have come through this organization, most of them have reflected that. And I hope Donovan stays his whole career here. I hope, I hope Rudy does as well. And Joe's had an incredible run. Um, but again, I think the bottom line in, in the world we live in today, it's a now, now, you know, you must win now. And I think the Jazz have a couple of years to prove to Donovan and Rudy this, this is where they need to play and stay. And then they can actually now recruit players that a destination point may be Salt Lake City, which we never thought we'd ever talk about, right? because of Dwayne Wade and Ryan who are trying to be, be, be an ownership group of diversity. Maybe again, that will be the key to keeping, um, you know, this jazz franchise whole for, for a long time to come. It's going to be fun to watch and see how it all works out. No doubt. Yeah. We're, we're super excited. Honestly, again, thank, thank you so much for coming on here. It was such a privilege to be able to hear your stories and everything that went on and your perspective on the jazz. We're really looking forward to the season. Hey, guys, it's a pleasure. Anytime. You guys look like you have a rock and roll set up there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, keep plugging away. Do your thing. And, um, you know, I wish you the best. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll see you at a game one night. Come by, say hi. Oh, will do. I, I, know I already bought there. my tickets for October 13th. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. The Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis Antetokounmpo. That one took me a while to get, man. But once you get it, it rolls off the tongue, man. It's fun. Man, we're excited. It's coming. Yeah. All right. Thank, thanks, Bowler. You bet, guys. Best of luck. Thank Take you, care. Bowler. Rich and I would like to thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Thatcher Effect. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to future episodes and invite your friends and family to join us on the ride on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you'd like to hear more about our episodes, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Thatcher Effect Podcast. We'd like to thank the amazing Craig Bowlerjack for coming on the show and to Money Wizard for the intro music and the Basketball Podcast Network for hosting us. We'll see you next week.